It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Democracy 2022 is here. It is Election Day in America as tens of millions of voters head to the polls. Republicans appear primed to take the House with the Senate really as a true toss-up heading in. We'll have the first results in just under an hour. But I think at the end of the day, it ends up being 51-49, 52-48, though it may take until December and a Georgia runoff to settle it. Because, look, the dynamics underlying this election are so strongly for the Republicans. For this Election Day conversation, we bring in a very special all-star panel, Fox News senior political analyst Britt Hume, editor of The Spectator at Large, host of the Ben Dominich podcast, Ben Dominich, and NPR national political correspondent Mara Lyason and co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevan. Uh, Britt, heading in, 30,000 feet, what are you thinking? Well, obviously we don't know about the Senate. We're pretty confident about the House swinging to the Republicans. So the, what I'll be interested to see tonight and after tonight particularly is how the president and the Democrats will react to not having full control of Congress, which they're, un, they're unlikely to have it. And there's... President apparently was not going to hold a news conference tomorrow. Uh, we don't know. He's going to have to say something at some point and soon about which way he he wants to go, how he reacts, what he thinks the voters are saying to him. I remember asking Bill Clinton all those years ago after he lost control in the midterms big time, 1994. Um, and it's an obvious question. It'll be interesting to see when Biden is willing to submit to it. Mar, do we know any more about that? Well, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold a press conference tomorrow. He might have to wait because this might be a very, very long election night, election week. Uh, It's going to take a while for some of these states to report, including Pennsylvania, which is a really crucial Senate race. But I do think that's an interesting question, how the Biden White House wants to proceed. We've seen other presidents make some mid-course corrections after they've gotten either shellacked or thumped, as Barack Obama and George W. Bush said in a midterm. But I guess what I'm looking for is... I think there there will be obviously Democratic losses. I think they'll lose the House, but is it around 20, which would be pretty good for the Democrats in a midterm, or would it be over 30 or 40? In which case, it's a real bloodbath. And I think that sends a very, very different message to a White House and to a president who's contemplating running again. Ben, 30,000 feet? I think that the big question following on what Britt said is uh, how Joe Biden responds to this election. And given that I think... Uh, at the end of the day, when the dust settles, they w- there will be a Republican House and Senate. I think the likely result is actually going to be that he gets more extreme, not less. And the reason I think that is that there's actually very little 
pressure, I think, after this election from the moderate side, because those are the people who are going to be swept out of office. Those are the districts where we're going to see Republicans prevail. And I think that the only incentive then is to essentially become more progressive in his approach. Uh, that's the kind of thing that you know both would probably shore up his support among Democrats for running again in 2024. Uh, and I don't see any real path for him in terms of moderation of getting anything out of, of this new Republican majority that you could see having very ambitious and also very confrontational aims when they come to Washington. Well, two things. One is if there's a Republican House and a Republican Senate, which is possible, doesn't Joe Biden revert to the Joe Biden of the Senate? You know, I I think that that's what people are hoping for. Uh, that's what we expected all along. And I think the thesis that Georgia winning both of those Georgia Senate seats was bad for him, which is something that I know, Britt, you also have, have vocalized, uh, is, is very accurate. But I don't think that Biden really has any path to do that with the kind of people who are going to be coming to Washington. I don't think that they're going to be interested in cutting deals. I think they're going to be very confrontational uh, with a mindset of building up toward a 2024 when they anticipate taking back the White House. Wow, that sounds like great times in Washington. It really does. <laughs> Gridlock, uh, man. Tom, uh, do you know how many mentions Real Clear Politics has had this election season? I do not. I mean, it's got to be a quite lot. a few. Yeah. Well, yes. And, and you know, our business is cyclical and, and this is one of our big, you know, big nights. And so, um, <clears throat> look, we've been following this pretty closely, obviously. And I, I mean, the fundamentals of this election have been pretty clear for a long time. And there was this, this idea that Democrats sort of grasped onto that, that the Dobbs decision was going to fundamentally alter this election in their favor it was a narrative that the media picked up. It, you know, became this little boomlet in summer. Um, but as we sit here on election day and you look back, and as we've seen the fundamentals of the idea that, that abortion was ever going to supplant the economy as the number one issue is just sort of has, is silly. And, and I think, uh, you know, we're going to look back and think that I, Dobbs certainly energized Democrats in the, in the short term, but and it shifted their priorities. Uh, you know, if you look at the data, I tweeted something about this earlier. I mean, this is a slide that I give in speeches uh, when I talk to groups. <clears throat> you know, you look at Quinnipiac from from April. Dobbs Dobbs was leaked on May second. It was came down on June twenty fourth. Uh, there's a poll in late May and one in August. By three to one, inflation was the number one issue for all voters, for Republican voters, and for independent voters. Um, initially, it was it was number one on, for Democrats, but after the Dobbs decision leaked, it shifted. And so I think Democrats are going to look back and, and say, while they thought it was going to help them, it actually hurt them because it shifted their entire strategy, their entire priority for this election. And while that helped energize their base, it made them look out of touch to independent voters. And I think we're going to see independent voters who have said repeatedly inflation is their number one concern by an order of magnitude are going to break for Republicans this election. Yeah. To counter Ben, I, there are two things. One is James Carville was on this morning saying, no matter what happens in this election, the messaging for Democrats has to change prior to 2024. More to hear what people are actually saying mm -hmm. that, they are, that, that matters to them. Um, two is that abortion issue did cut the other way in Latino communities, in black communities. Um, after 15 weeks, there's not a lot of black Southern Baptists who are uh, pro-abortion. Yeah. And um, there's all, there's more pro-life African-Americans than there are Republican African-Americans. Britt, anything? Well, I think 
it's worth talking about something this election turned out not to be about. Um, despite his prominence in recent days and hours, Donald Trump has not been that much of a factor in this election. He hasn't been that visible. Um, we all thought at one point that he might announce that he's running again um, some time ago. And there was rumors about it yesterday, and it didn't happen. Uh, you know, there are widespread predictions it will, and, and he very much it, it might. But he was not that big a factor in this election. There was a time not too many weeks ago when, the, when we were saying, at least I was saying, that the Democrats wanted to be, the election to be about two things, abortion and Donald Trump. Now, you know, you hear talk about MAGA this and MAGA that and democracy, and people say, well, that's all, that's really about Trump, and maybe to some extent it is. But he personally, uh, people, I don't think people hate MAGA, the slogan particularly. Um, Democrats do, but, um, but Trump is what motivates Democrats. He motivates a lot of Republicans, but he really motivates. I think, I, I think it's fair to say that, tr that Trump um, motivates a lot of Republicans and he motivates all Democrats. That's true. And, and he really hasn't been that central in this. And I'm surprised that Democrats haven't tried to make him more so, but he hasn't been visible enough to make it easy to do that. Well, which is why, Mar, I'd never understood the threat to democracy broad kind of pitch. Why not just say Donald Trump? I mean, they didn't talk specifically Donald Trump. They said yeah. the threat to democracy. Everybody knew it that like, it was. It's like euphemism. Well, it was yes. like they was wrapped in January 6th, but they didn't ever say yeah, Donald I think, Trump. I think one of the reasons for that is that Trump was on the ballot the last two cycles, 18 and 20. And guess what? He lost both of them. Republicans lost Congress in 18 and in 20. Obviously, he lost. But in 2020, the Republicans did very well down ballot. And what the Democrats learned is that voters make a distinction in their minds between Donald Trump, who they thought was just too chaotic and exhausting in 2020, but the local uh, con congressional, senatorial, whatever it is, that Republican candidate, he was that person was different. That person was not the same thing as Donald Trump. So I think Democrats have been really unclear about how much to invoke the word Trump. And uh, that's that's been an issue for them now, of course, if Trump's on the ballot again. In 2024, then it becomes a whole different thing. But you're absolutely right. When the question is, does Donald Trump energize the base of the Republicans or the Democrats? The answer is always yes. <laughs> yeah. And do you see that in polls, Tom? Yeah. No, I think it's 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 clear. I mean, if you look at his favorability ratings, if you look at basically any metric you want, uh, Trump still is, is very popular within the Republican Party. Um, but he absolutely... Uh, motivated Democrats and, and young voters uh, in, you know, 2018, 2020. I think that's also going to be one of the stories of this election is, and we've seen this a few stories, uh, Wall Street Journal and others recently, in their latest poll, the shift that, that Republicans are seeing back to them by suburban women uh, on issues of uh, obviously the, the economy, but also crime and education. Uh, that that was a constituency that that they struggled with while Trump was in office, and uh, they seem to be recovering some ground with those with those voters this time around. I also think Ben on the abortion issue that more people realized in states that you know it's legal mm -hmm. that that was not an issue in those states. Number one, number two, President Biden came out and said if they try to pass a ban of abortion, I will veto it. Mm -hmm. Right. You wouldn't. So there you go. Where's the problem? <laughs> well, I think that that, uh, in a way, took away their argument. Um, the, 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 to the extent that Donald Trump has been a part of this conversation, he's been part of it in the primaries, in picking so many of these outsider candidates with without records. 
But I actually think that's turned out to be a great boon for Republicans in a moment in which there's so much frustration, not just with Washington, but with leadership in so many different places. They've been allowed to kind of come to it without having you know, significant legislative histories or, or things that you could pour over. They basically have been free to take positions that uh, align well with people. And that includes the abortion issue, where I think that they have kind of meandered toward this point that, frankly, most Americans are at, where as much as they you know are saying that they're willing to have it be legal within the first trimester, there's increasing discomfort as the issue goes forward. And I think that what you're going to see across the country is that this this is going to be an election that's going to sweep away a lot of the leadership of the Democratic Party that's been around for a long time in Washington, been around since the 90s, and uh, you know, including Nancy Pelosi and others. That's going to you know open up the avenue for a new generation of leaders within the Democratic Party, uh, a generation which could navigate these issues in a more moderate way or could go more toward that squad direction. Uh, And there's going to be different parts of that coalition pulling them in both directions. All right. We're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Are you going to be following the betting odds tonight? Try to. Listen, the reason I started doing that breakfast was, was in 2016, I was way at the, law, at the far end of the table, That's right? right? And when, when, by the time we got around to me, everything that could be said had been said. And so I started looking at the betting odds just to give myself something to say. And then the betting odds shifted in Trump's favor before almost anything else had. That's true. And, uh, and at, by that, at that time, you and the rest of the team stopped laughing at me. That's true. We, we'd go back and say, well, what are the betting odds now, Britt? <laughs> yeah. But for, for right. example, right now, 73% the betting, for the Senate for Republicans. The betting say. odds are 73%. The betting odds on Mehmet Oz are 69%. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. Can, I, can I add one quick yeah. thing to what yeah. Ben just said about abortion? Yep. The other piece of this, which I think, you know, Republicans did a very good job and Democrats didn't do a very good job messaging on abortion. Um, the idea, you know, you Stacey Abrams and and uh, all of these candidates, when they were asked in these debates and mm-hmm. in front of reporters, would you support any restrictions to abortion, any restrictions at all? They said, I don't want that's between a woman and her doctor. And Republicans did a very good job of portraying them them as, as the Democrats as being radical on the issue. I mean, they are a long way from Bill Clinton's, you know, safe, legal and rare uh, formulation on that issue. And I think they did present themselves in many ways out of the mainstream. You know, can I just add yeah. something here? Go ahead. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden said that if he one of the first things he would do if the Senate stayed uh, Democratic is to codify Roe, to sign a bill codifying Roe. If the Democrats merely did that, they would be where two thirds of Americans are. Roe is a legal abortion with restrictions and exceptions. You can argue whether it should be 15 weeks or 24, whatever we define viability as. But that's where the majority of the country is. And I think where Democrats got off the track is instead of merely codifying Roe, 
they went further than that, and that's why that bill didn't pass. Well, and, that's the House but, bill, yeah. and they are yeah, defending yeah. the House bill. They're not yeah. defending Roe. In fact, yeah. there's been yeah, some... But simply codifying Roe is where the sweet spot is of the electorate. In fact, there's been some yeah. reporting, I couldn't speak to, the, to its accuracy, that uh, when Gavin Newsom was uh, working through the process of creating the California referendum on this issue, his initial approach was to codify Roe, but then they actually pushed it much further to the left at the behest of a lot of abortion groups that wanted it to be more extreme. It's an important issue. I'm not taking away that it's an important issue for a lot of people in this country. But as you're looking at the back of the envelope trying to make bills at the end of the month, that's not the issue that's driving you, Britt. It's not the issue that's driving this election, to be sure. Uh, Some people... You know, it's a single issue, but not very many uh, in the overall scheme of things. And the issue that's driving, you know, crime and the economy and all its manifestations, particularly inflation, are the key issues. And, you know, the people keep telling these Democrats, look, you got to start talking about these issues. Uh, well, maybe so. But before you do that, you got to have something to say. Mm. And it's not at all clear to me at this point that the Democratic Party or many of them had anything to say on this issue. Governor Hochul said that the crime thing was made up. Well, that's right. I mean, you, so what they do is they, to some extent, deny it. The president and his team tried that for quite a bit of time on inflation and, and the economy. Transitory. And they're still trying to tell us the economy's great. You know, and look, there's some indicators out there that are positive for sure, jobs and the rest of it. But most people look at this economy and they think it's terrible because their they're purchasing power is being eaten up. Any rage gains they have are being eaten up by inflation. Inflation is like a prairie fire and it affects everybody. And it and and you, you have to, if you're going to talk about it, you've got to have something to say. I've talked but, to But you know, the, the most amazing thing. As Milton Friedman said it long ago, there's only one thing that causes inflation. That's what he said, yeah. <laughs> and that is too money, much money from the government <laughs> into the economy. Too much money tasting too few goods. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. If you, if you go out and you talk to working class Americans, including working class Americans who voted for Joe Biden, the thing that you will consistently hear, and I've heard this in four different states, is I feel like I'm working as hard as ever. And my, I can't buy anything better. And in fact, I'm having to buy the cheaper good. I'm having to go in the opposite direction. And that's what I think Americans are experiencing. And I think that's what's going to be driving the votes. Tom, no you, doubt go that, ahead, Mara. Oh, sorry. There's no doubt that inflation is the single most important political economic indicator. Inflation defeats presidents. But it's not true that merely cutting government spending would solve inflation. Inflation is a global phenomenon, and it's caused by a lot of things. Now, it might have been exacerbated by having a slightly too big COVID relief bill. And but, a student um, loan bill. Say, student loan, but yo, but Not a bill, loan, an executive order. Yeah, way, way at the end. But uh, look, who, what the party in power in an inflationary period has a really, really tough job. They have to somehow sympathize with people's situation while there are very, very few things they can do to fix the problem. But Mara, when talking about it, it seems like they stepped on themselves. I mean, that was the Sean Patrick Maloney in New York about Chef Boyardee was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they truly thought it wouldn't stick around as long and as high as it did. So Mara, to, to the point of what happens let's just not say Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week, uh, if there's a Republican Congress, Senate and House, let alone just House, but that this president, knowing this White House, where do you think they go? Well, you know, in the old days, we would say, oh, divided government, voters like it, they keep on voting for it. And, uh, you know, Bill Clinton triangulated, worked out some things that he could agree on. But this is a different kind of Republican Congress. And we don't know what kind of uh, if they're interested in bipartisan legislation or if they just want to have a lot of investigations 
and impeach Joe Biden. I mean, we don't know. We're going to have a majority of Republican members in the House who are election deniers. And what do you mean by election denier, Mar? Do you mean people, people who people who've been simply critical of the way some elections no, have been no, conducted? No, no, no. People who come out and who, say that the, that the election people was who stolen. Don't believe, who, who either don't believe the the that Bill Clinton, uh, I'm sorry, that Joe Biden was elected legitimately. We also have a number of Republican candidates for Secretary of State, Governor, Attorney General, who uh, have have been talking about either relitigating 2020 or making sure as you know, some Republican candidates have said that when Tim Michaels, the Republican candidate for governor of Wisconsin, if he's elected, no Republican will ever lose Wisconsin again. I mean, this is a new thing. So I don't know if a divided government will follow the same path as divided governments in the past, where there is room for bipartisan cooperation. Tom, um, in the House, you know, it will likely almost certainly be Speaker McCarthy. Uh, the bigger his majority... Uh, the less he has to worry about his own caucus causing him problems. Except for one thing, Brad, and that is that sometimes when you get a really big majority, uh, Congressman Flotsam and Congressman Jetsam get elected too, as uh, as Haley Barber once put it, and you've got a lot of people that are hard to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So it could work that way too. It could. Yeah, just yeah. ask John Boehner and, uh, and Paul Ryan. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But it, he'll have a little leeway is my point. Um, and the question is, is whether he sticks to the commitment to America or with America, whatever that uh, brochure was that they brought out. Uh, or we get into investigation Rama of the uh, Biden administration. Well, I'm sure Kevin McCarthy's answer to that would be we can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? <laughs> They're yeah. probably going to do both. I mean, quite frankly, the more interesting uh, situation to me is is how Mitch McConnell's going to fare if he's dealing with J.D. Vance and Blake Masters and Ted Budd and, uh, you know, Mehmet Oz and all these folks uh, that were, you know, Donald Trump back, Don Bolduck if he wins in New Hampshire. I mean, Mitch McConnell is going to have his hands full and it's not going to be a, a pretty couple of years for him, I think, trying to deal with uh, with those folks who want to move, I think, in a different direction. Yeah, he may have he may find himself dealing better with his old friend, Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think he does? I think he'll want to. Um, and I also think that McConnell's standing, um, if, particularly if obviously if they get control, uh, the Republicans get control will be solid and that these renegades who you know, are Trump-backed will find themselves in a distinct minority and they'll also have a feeling perhaps of some gratitude to McConnell because he stepped in with the funds that he's able to generate for candidates and spent where Donald Trump did not to save these guys' campaigns. Well, there's a couple that he pulled money from, Don Balduck That's and uh, also in Arizona, uh, Blake, yeah, Masters. Blake Masters. So but, there may be some bad Oz, feelings. Oz and, and, uh, uh, Walker. Oz and, and Walker and Vance, he supported. To yeah. disagree slightly, I think that the, this this group that is coming in is very difficult may to predict. May be coming in. May be coming in. Um, it's very difficult to predict which directions they will go, with the exceptions of a few that we've, we've mentioned. Uh, when it comes to this leadership race, and you know, Donald Trump himself has called on, you know, said that Rick Scott's a great guy and ought to challenge McConnell. I don't think the votes are there, but I do think that there is a, a larger cohort of potentially anti-McConnell or balance against McConnell uh, Republicans in the Senate totally that could that. that could create some difficulty. Uh, well, I think what we're mm -hmm. we're going to see is uh, if this election goes as we anticipate, 
there's going to be a movement that says we need new leaders. These are all these old leaders in both parties are too old. Yep. Time for a new a, gener, a new generation of leaders. And McConnell is pretty old, although he's pretty sharp. Um, would certainly be included in that in that thought. Yeah, and Trump, you know, with or without access to Twitter, is going to continue to call him an old bird. Yeah, he will. Although Trump's no spring chicken. <laughs> it's really interesting to see. Just, you know, one of the first fights we're going to see, or first questions we're going to get answered, is how willing is Donald Trump to get into a fight with Mitch McConnell? Is he really willing to push for a different majority leader? That would be a pretty ill-advised uh, I, use of his time. I, I agree with that. So would so would a fight <laughs> yeah. with, with Ron DeSantis, but he seems to be willing yeah. to pick that. That's too. true. I'm going to. Well, that's Tom, a little different, though, because that's he could be a direct competitor. That's true. Tom, but, uh, yeah. you had a final word. Well, I was just going to say, going back to Joe Biden, I think if 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 the Republicans take the House and the Senate and by any margin, but but even if it's a, a bigger margin, um, Joe Biden's going to be under enormous pressure to step aside. I mean, there are already cracks in, in his party uh, among people who want to see him to run. I think we'll see him out of the and they're going to urge him to do it sooner rather than later so they can sort things out. Donald Trump is saying he's going to probably announce on the 15th. I think we're going to have. The 2024 campaign is going to start way earlier than it ever has before. The outlines of it are going to start taking shape in the, you know, a couple weeks after this election. All right, guys, we will see what On happens that tonight. Wonderful note. Yes, we will see what happens tonight. <laughs> and uh, coverage will continue on Fox uh, in the night and in the days to come. Thank you. Now, on this election day, a bit of election history. On November 8th, 1960, then Senator John Fitzgerald Kennedy, JFK, defeated then Vice President Richard Nixon to become the 35th president of the United States. Kennedy would win the key state of Illinois, just over 8,000 votes. November 8th. 1994, Republicans swept into power, uh, picking up 54 seats in the House of Representatives on a red wave fueled by President Clinton's unpopularity and Newt Gingrich's contract with America. Then on November 8th, 2016, businessman Donald Trump upset Secretary Hillary Clinton in an improbable fashion, becoming the 45th president of the United States. I remember that night. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. For Ben, Britt, Mara, and Tom, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.